0: The world didn't need another hockey podcast, it needed a better one. Bear witness to the two man four check. Good morning, Chris.
1: Good morning, Mike. We um, are no go ahead.
0: No no no. We are days away from three. real hockey returning
1: in three. Three days. Three.
0: Three days away. Yeah. From real hockey returning in a format unseen in the NHL in a de- in decades. We're essentially seeing this season four original six leagues. Okay. We have a tiny bubble of seven or eight teams depending on which division who are only playing each other for the course of a season. Shorter than than any of us have seen in the last 30 plus years. This is, in a very real sense, a throwback to the original six era. You're going to get mad and stay mad at the same guys on the other team all year long because they're all you're ever going to see. The people who get ticked off at Brad Marchand in Game Three of the season are probably still going to be ticked off at Brad Marchand on Game Fifty Six.
1: However, Jack's still not going to be happy because Montreal is in a different division from Boston. Yes, he. Yes, <laughs> yes, they are. And his, um, belief, his belief that they should be playing rivals, and and I agree with him. That they should be playing rivals more frequently than four times a year. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, if there's a way to sell the game, it's sell the rivalries for one thing.
0: Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, even today, as far as I mean, look at the look at how far apart in the NFL the Patriots and uh, Jets or Patriots and Bills were. And yet everyone got up for those games. Everyone. Same in Boston. Didn't matter whether the Bruins were the better team, Montreal was the better team, the buildings were always rowdy, and it was a joy to behold.
1: Playing them eight times a year instead of the four as currently stipulated, with the exception of this season. (laughs) Playing them eight times a year guaranteed that you were going to keep Whatever <clears throat> animosity was generated in the prior game was going to still be there. There wasn't enough, there wasn't a huge length of time because you were playing them. 10% of your season was wrapped up in playing your arch rival, basically. Yes. So you didn't have time to forget what happened last game. This four times a year, eh, you know, if, if it's a month and a half or whatever, you know, no. I didn't mean, <laughs> there, there literally time for that. play.
0: With the current, with the previous format, not counting this season, you can literally play all four of your games uh, in a two week period. I mean, sure, it's fun and it gets a little warm then, but then you don't see them again until maybe next year. Maybe the end of next year. I mean, you could legitimately go from seeing your, seeing like a, I don't know, a San Jose, Vegas four games in October uh, of one season and then not see them again until March of the next season if you don't meet in the playoffs. And that's ridiculous, like literally patently ridiculous.
1: But now Vegas is going to see San Jose. I mean, how many times are they I playing each it's other seven eight or eight times? times. Well, there's eight. There's what, 56 games in a season in this season? Yes. eight eight, eight, eight teams in that division. So, yeah, they're playing each team seven times. So you're going to see your arch rival seven times in a very short span, by the way.
0: Yes, it's 14 weeks.
1: There's (laughs) that's going to make for some interesting new rivalries, maybe. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean,
0: there's not a lot of players from, say, Boston, Philly. Uh, and the uh, 2013 Cup run, much less the previous disaster, uh, oh. left over. But there's a lot of young guys on both of these teams right now. And not only are they desperately trying to prove themselves as so that they can hold on to their the roster spots they're going to claim coming out of camp this year. Mm-hmm. But they know the fan bases are going to remember them. Oh yeah. Even if the, even if the other players claim to forget or, and forgive, they know the fan bases are going to forget, are never going to forget.
1: Uh, My main, my main concern, because I know I'll thoroughly enjoy any rivalry action that's going on. My main concern though, is as you mentioned, young kids and, and with the Bruins, they've got one guy who hasn't played in two years. And, uh, Some of these teams, eight of these teams, have not played for the last ten months. Organized hockey. They may have been on skates, they may have been on a rink in their hometown. But organized hockey, eight of these teams haven't played since last March.
0: We are going to see a some spectacularly sloppy hockey. I was gonna say that was gonna be be my
1: question. How good is the hockey gonna be day one? (laughs) I don't expect it to be good. I don't expect it to be. Are the goaltenders ahead of the forwards? I mean, are the goaltenders going to be hung out to dry because these teams haven't developed that chemistry yet? Because I'm sorry, but training camp being two weeks long, but you didn't have a development camp. You didn't have captains' practices. You didn't have um on off ice or or whatever you want to call them get to get, you know yeah. off ice get togethers you know captain says, hey, everybody, let's go to the rink and have a skate around and, you know, kind of you know, there wasn't that extra time on the ice to get to know each other. They've literally had two weeks. And yeah, your guys like Bergeron and Marchand who played together are going to know each other. I mean, that's to be expected. But when you've got three or four new faces and you're trying to incorporate them in for this taxi squad uh, situation or whatever, uh, in in cases where you've got goaltenders who've left their teams or, or gone to new teams I mean, I'm
0: or not even just finished last year on the uh, injured reserve and they missed the last I don't know five ten games last year of their of the last season
1: yeah I'm not I'm not sure that we're going to get top shelf hockey right off the bat I think oh I'm have, sure that
0: we're not
1: <laughs> I think you're gonna have to wait a week or two for that to happen <laughs>
0: I think we're I think what we're going to see is highly energetic more physical hockey in the first week and a half, but I also think that we may unfortunately see a higher number of injuries, both of the didn't stretch fully or didn't warm up fully, and of the got blindsided because they're just not up at game speed yet
1: um variety. Well, if you go back and look at and if you go back and look at the beginning of the NFL season, the number of injuries coming. I mean, there was one game between the San Francisco 49ers and the New York Giants. Eight San Francisco 49ers left the field with injuries. Yeah. No, no preseason, no, no preseason games. So nobody's in games. Nobody's up to game speed you've got no preseason so any workouts they're doing are of their own volition at home but they're not doing team workouts and whatever the the strength and conditioning coach has laid out yep uh, and I mean, and they they tried to blame the field at one point because they're like oh you can't have this many people it's got to be you know they 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 laid new sod or something it's like no it has yeah. to do with the fact that you didn't play
0: <laughs> i mean realistically there are teams who could use every member of their taxi squad in the first two weeks of the season. That's somewhat terrifying if you're an NHL GM. Yeah. Depending on who goes out, it's it's a horrible thing to say, but there are teams who should be in the playoffs who could lose their season in the first week of the year. And we're going to talk about our predictions for who's going to make it uh, in a little bit, but I think we should talk about some of the signings and some of the injuries first uh, because that's that's definitely informed uh, some of my picks. Um,
1: And by the the way, the Gang of Ten has increased to the Gang of Eleven now. Yes. Uh, I Uh, can't honestly say which team it was. I don't remember who it was that was out. I thought it was
0: Vegas. I thought it was
1: Vegas just because they're the. Oh,
0: or the the, Islanders. It was the Islanders with their signing finally of Matt Barzal. Okay.
1: So you got Lightning, Capitals, Islanders, Blues, Oilers, Ducks, Jets, Canucks, Canadians, Leafs, and Knights. But, I mean, in all honesty, the Ducks are over the cap.
0: That is (laughs) amazing to contemplate. Like I,
1: it could explain. I'm having trouble
0: wrapping my head around that one.
1: It could explain why why we saw that story about them pondering putting Bacchus on waivers.
0: (laughs) Well, putting I don't even know that putting Bacchus well putting Bacchus on waivers would certainly help. But look, even allowing for Kucherov's number to come off of the cap uh, when. No, no when, ducks. Yes, when they come, the, Tampa's in trouble. But as for the ducks, um, yes, getting Bagus's number off of the off of the cap is going to help. But the, I mean, the ducks are only a million over. But again, only a million or so over for a team that is absolutely going to see the playoffs from their couches. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, yeah,
1: that's not really, well, if they move, if they move him and we discussed this pre-show, so, uh, but if they move him, it's most likely going to be onto the taxi squad, but then his cap hit does not, his number does not affect the cap.
0: Correct. And I mean, his, well, his number affecting them is 4.5 million, um, um, there's and that would number. bring them about 3 million under the cap
1: uh, cuz and, yeah. and they but they still have roster they still have at least one roster spot to fill so they're going to get a little bit of cash anyway
0: they uh, as of right now their cap friendly has them projected with six defensemen
1: um maybe a seventh one would be I don't know just a
0: you know what? With with the taxi squad, we may not see teams uh, at the top carrying uh, seven and uh, thirteen on the full roster. Okay. Uh, if they can dodge that cap hit, and they think and they're financially able to just pay the full NHL salary, um, that's that might be how teams are planning to get around it. Because yeah, there's there's a whole lot of uh, cap uh, violation at
1: this point. Wow. And, and not for anything, but it must be, it, it, it's certainly nice work. If you can get it, Corey Perry, and we're going to talk about signings. So one of the signings that we missed or that we didn't mention was Corey Perry signing with Montreal. He signed which for is so weird, which he signed for like league minimum, $750,000. I don't yep. know what the actual league minimum is, but that's so got to that. be close. Um, it just occurred to me why he can sign for that little money. Anaheim is still paying him six million dollars. Yes, and I
0: mean he's
1: made a good <laughs> deal two, of money in his career. He's two teams removed from Anaheim, but they're still paying him six mil, six point six mil this year, and then for the next two years, another two million per. So, yeah, buyouts are funny. So, Corey Perry, uh, congratulations! Uh, nice work if you can get it. Uh, I mean, he's going to help Montreal. Uh, they've got they've got an interesting mix of veterans and and youth on that team now. That that and let's be honest, Claude is going to love
0: Claude is literal. Claude was probably over the moon when he when he saw when he was told that Perry was signed. Because if you look at Perry. In last year's playoffs, he had a couple of games he owned.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say that he was fabulous throughout the whole 27 games that they played. Oh, absolutely not. For Dallas. But but there were five, six games. There were. Yeah, there were a handful of games where he was uh, number one or number two star easily.
0: A. A there were and there were ni- there were certainly periods where he was the best player on the ice, and that's amazing. And how much of that attitude and knowledge transfer can be done to uh the young Canadians this year, um, I don't know. But for guys like wow. Jonathan Druin whose <clears throat> efforts have occasionally been questioned. Uh And Joel Armia, whose efforts have occasionally been questioned. And uh, you've got, yes, uh, Barry Kotkanemi just coming up. You've got Thomas Tatar, who quite frankly has disappeared for years at a time. Um, And Nick Suzuki, who has actually performed pretty well on the world stage. To have that sort of bracing presence on the team, um, a guy who's been there, done that, won the cup, and at 35 is still a vital, viable player. He's not a mascot. We talked about some of the some guys who are playing three or four years after they should have been retired, and you know they're blowing wind by the time they get their second leg uh, onto the ice. Corey Perry is not at that stage.
1: No, uh, I, don't think, I don't think. I don't think Corey Perry is at the stage. Is at the stage in his career where he's a detriment because he's too slow or because he's uh, the skills of di- yeah. or the skills have diminished or whatever. I think he's still. I'm not saying he's playing at an elite level like he did in his prime with Anaheim. No, but and- he's still performing. I mean in his in his prime you can
0: make the argument that for several years running, Perry and Getzlap were the best duo in hockey. Oh yes. I mean you had Zetterberg and Datsuk in Detroit, Detroit early in their career and I mean they say that Styles make bites in MMA and boxing. This that's the that's the Ends of the spectrum. I mean, Perry and Getzlaff, physical specimens, high end athletes, absolutely brutal, get in your face type dudes. Mm -hmm. And then you had Zetterberg and Datsuk, who, while certainly not physically shy, they would take hits if you could hit them, uh, were absolutely the guys who could. Skate through you and three of your teammates without having to blink and control the puck at the same time. Um, absolutely finesse players, um, and the contrast between the two of the uh, between the two pairs always worth watching a game, even if you didn't like either team and hated all four players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Anyone who gets the opportunity to watch a Montreal game this year, I think that you should watch Corey Perry, absolutely, and to watch his interactions with some of the other players because he's, by a couple of years, the oldest forward on the team. Um, I mean, he's been in the league since, you know, Coat uh, Kanemi and Suzuki were in diapers.
1: <laughs> this is true
0: or practically
1: um pretty close anyway
0: and arturi Lekinen is uh not much older than they are so
1: it's th- going to be an interesting team to watch this season i think uh the the supposed resurgence of Kerry price after his performance in the summertime uh is he is he going to be able to carry that over Uh, Was that some sort of last ditch effort to show what he's still capable of? Because to hear to hear the talk, it sounded like he was, you know, on a downward trend.
0: No, no, no. He was on a downward trend. Like the the numbers, the numbers absolutely tell you that.
1: Well, in the summertime, the numbers were to be ignored because he was really good. Uh, So Perry going there makes it interesting. Another name that we forgot to mention, and again, how we missed it uh, is beyond me. I think we both wrote his name down, but he happened to sign on the same day as Pierre-Luc Dubois. So I think that's how we missed it. But Vince Dunn re-signed with with St. Louis, and we were talking about potentially grabbing him. I know he was an RFA, and... It, it wasn't really going to happen but it was a it was a thought at least of mine that maybe you go get him to replace Tory Krug I mean offensive defenseman uh could be good on the power play he doesn't have the numbers that Tory Krug does no. uh, we're talking mid 20s on average he did have in the 18-19 season he had 35 points but uh, I think you're probably going to get somewhere in the neighborhood of low to mid 30s from him over the course of his career. Maybe a little bit more as he gets settled in. But he signed with St. Louis, uh, and it's a good signing for them. They need, you know, he's been around. He knows the. He, he's still a young guy at 24. He knows the system.
0: Part of their cup win. Yeah. <coughs> The biggest signing so far uh, since Pierre-Luc Dubois is, of course, Matthew Barzal. Uh, We were all expecting this to be done a long time ago because there's really not an excuse for not signing an RFA of his caliber who does not have arbitration rights.
1: Um, Yeah, I I, I love that part. He doesn't have arbitration rights. What was the problem here? (laughs) And he signed for seven million, three
0: years, uh, seven million a year for three years. Um, Tell me that's not
1: team friendly.
0: I, I mean, it's no secret that this show really, really likes Matthew Barzell. Uh, I mean, you break into the league as a rookie and you put up eighty-five points in eighty-two games as a rookie, and you're doing something. Um, He had a slight regression the next year down. Well, he had a regression the next year, 82 games, um, just 62 points. Uh, I think some of that is pardonable as a rookie slump or a sophomore slump. Some of it is just uh, the league catching up to him and differences in talent on the roster. Uh, And then last year, 60 points in 68 games. Um I'm I'm actually pretty happy with what I've seen from him and the fact that his playoff numbers are really solid. Um 7 points in 8 games in his first taste of NHL playoffs in the 18-19 season. Um nothing to complain about there. And then 17 points in 22 playoff games um uh last year again you really can't complain about those numbers.
1: No, not complained about the numbers. Uh, I like Matthew Barzal for the most part. I like his game. There are certain aspects of it and I've made them known as far as, uh, his zone entries on power plays. He, he, he's a little bit stubborn. He refuses to dump and chase and it's documented. It's not just me saying it. I mean, I've seen it, but it's documented it, it's been brought up by others. But for the most part, yeah, he's solid game, solid player. Could have got, would have gotten more had he be had he been a UFA. I think. Uh, so yes, it helps that he's an RFA, but I still think that seven mil is team friendly, and I like the way Lamorello's setting this up. I mean, your two most expensive players are. Not even close to the $10 million a year mark. You've got Anders Lee, the captain, and Matthew Barzal both at seven. You got Brock Nelson at six, Everly at five and a half, Andrew Latt. Everybody's making good money on this team. In fact, every forward, with the exception of Michael Dalcole, every forward is making seven figures. <laughs> Every defenseman, with the exception of Noah Dobson, is making seven figures. I mean, it, he's balancing this out. Lou Loui is really doing a, a good job, and he's got his key his key pieces are signed long term. Brock Nelson he signed the deal what was it yeah last year, year before, you know, six mil a year. Eberly signed through twenty three, twenty four. He got. Uh, J.G. Pajot is signed through 25-26. The key pieces are all signed. He doesn't have to worry about them. So this team is going to be good for the next few years, not just this year. And adding Barzal to that is just a, a bonus. I think the the one thing I have the one issue that I have, and we discussed it again pre-show, is that they traded away Devin Tays to Colorado to fit under the cap to help with the cap number. I think that might come back to bite them because, as you and I both said, Devin Tays is a solid defenseman. Not necessarily great, not re- not necessarily top pairing at least at this point, but he's a solid defenseman. I mean, and he's got a decent shot from the point. He's not a hugely offensive defenseman, but when he shoots, you know it. I, I think that one might come back. That one might haunt them for a little bit, but I like the way Lamarello's setting this team up and getting bars all in at seven mil, more power to him.
0: Absolutely. <clears throat> Dylan Strom uh, signed with Chicago um, or returning or returning to Chicago 58 games, two years in a row. Um, got into nine playoff games last year for his first taste of the, uh, NHL postseason, um, three points in those nine games, which, uh, Chicago didn't do well. Chicago made it out of the pretend offs and into, uh, a beatdown basically. Um, (laughs) call it as I see it. Uh, Sammy Vatnin is someone that we've talked about a lot over the years. Um, If Sammy Vatnin could be healthy for like a full season and a half.
1: You brought up his name a couple of times as somebody the Bruins should look at when they were.
0: But he has literally, I don't believe, ever played a full NHL season. Not once. Uh, okay. I think the I think the closest he came was unless it was that thirteen fourteen yeah, it was the thirteen fourteen season with the delayed uh with the lockout at the front where he played all forty-eight games and that's the only time he's been within ten games of a full season.
1: You know the common denominator is between the last two teams we just talked about? <clears throat> The Anaheim Ducks and the New Jersey Devils. Was it the Duck? No, wait a minute. Chicago yes. Blackhawks and the the Blackhawks and the Devils. Neither team has a player signed beyond
0: 2023-24. Interesting.
1: I and mean no Chicago lo- Chicago, no whether,
0: whether they want to whether they want to or not, is really close to hitting the reset button.
1: Chicago doesn't really have a choice anymore. I don't think. Uh,
0: I mean, you lo- Seabrook. I don't think is coming back ever. Certainly not at the level he had been playing at.
1: Is he? I, I haven't read anything recently. Is he? Have you seen anything that says he's still out or still rehabbing or? I mean, if just you sitting look at home at, eating Doritos. Uh,
0: if you look at the at Cap Friendly, he's listed as an injured reserve. I've literally not heard the man's name anywhere in at least eight months. Uh, I if he if he actually plays this NHL season, uh, I think that I would be enormously shocked.
1: Um, But, wow. On your advice, I just looked at Cap. Well, I, I look at Cap Friendly while we're talking anyway, but I opened up Chicago. They have $23 million on injured reserve. Yes. Yeah. And both both the captain and an alternate listed on IR. Jonathan yes. Tays, Brent Seabrook, Andrew Shaw, Kirby Doc, who just went down during the World Juniors, And Alexander Nylander.
0: Yep. But you look at the four guys who have been the pillars of that team, or who had been the pillars of that team, through their cup runs and their close calls, and Taze is there. Seabrook is also, Taze and Seabrook are both injured. Duncan Keith is now 37. Patrick Kane, America's ultimate party boy, at least according to then-media reports, reports is 32 and somehow the healthiest of the four. Um, he's 32. He signed through the end of the 22, 23 season at 10 and a half. Mm-hmm. They're going to, they, then who else is there? Which, which player after those four, can you look at and say, legitimate star all by themselves regardless of who they're playing with
1: uh,
0: possibly Kubalik
1: that's possibly. What I was just gonna say Kirby Doc but he's injured and Dominic Kubalik would be my two picks for that
0: and you look at their defense I think Calvin Dehan is a solid player I think Nikita Zadaroff is a solid player. I really haven't had enough eyeball time on Connor Murphy uh, to say much one way or the other about him.
1: Their defense is a shell of what it used to be.
0: And their goaltending. Let's put it this way Nikita Zadarov, who is, you know, a solid somewhere between third and fifth defenseman. Yeah, he was.
1: He's making
0: he, more than their goaltenders. In fact, just about double the combined <laughs> salary of their goaltenders.
1: I mean, Zdorov was up, was in Colorado. Uh, he would uh, bring having Devin Tays on the team. Allows them to not have Zdorov because Zadorov was big, physical, not exceptionally strong in the defensive end. He had his moments, but like you said, third to fifth, as far as depth chart yeah. goes, uh, occasionally scoring a nice looking player. If he ever got his defensive game in line with the rest of it, that that would have made him really dangerous. I think his defensive liabilities outweighed some of the other stuff, but uh, D- this defense on on Chicago is just wow. No, and, and it's yeah.
0: The sad part is, is after you get past the top three forwards uh, on there, fo- uh, it's
1: the what, same. Kane, Kane, DeBrinket, and Kubalik.
0: Probably, yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not even sure.
1: I would because Dylan Strome
0: think- is reasonable. Carl Soderberg is reasonable.
1: Carl Soderberg's is going to help them kill penalties,
0: but everything else.
1: But he's and not an offense. He's not a serious offensive threat. He can score, but he's not a serious offensive threat. And at thirty-five, he's
0: not going probably, to improve.
1: He's probably not the same player that he was when he was with the Bruins. That's for sure.
0: And I mean, you look at Ryan Carpenter. He had a full three goals last year. Uh, with a career high of nine, in yep. uh, no, actually he had, yeah, a career high of nine goals.
1: If If Stan Bowman thought the job was difficult before, he's about to step into the seriously difficult part of his job.
0: Um this this year this next three seasons, this uh, and I'm saying starting in three days. And the two seasons after that are going to be where we see a lot of general managers who have flitted around the league get uh, permanently out of rotation because without the league bouncing back with a lot of revenue to save some backsides, Mm -hmm. um, you're going to get, you're going to see that, most of the general managers have been solving problems by throwing money at it and not by developing a solid pipeline. Other, um, any other signings that stick out to you?
1: Uh, not off the top of my head. <clears throat> Excuse me.
0: Okay. Um, why don't we dive into our predictions then? Wait, wait, wait. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? There is,
1: unless you want to, they did have one retirement.
0: Oh, and that was a surprise retirement. That's just going to honestly yeah. make a bad team worse.
1: Ties in, uh, t- well, it ties into the Chicago talk too is what I was going to say before I had my little episode. <clears throat> Um,
0: Corey Crawford, uh, who, who was uh, part of two of the Cup wins uh, in Chicago and signed with New Jersey earlier in the offseason, has decided uh, to devote some more time to family, or however he ordered it.
1: Um, he didn't look particularly happy when he signed with the Devils. No, his reaction at the time was, uh, he he wasn't angry or sad. He just didn't look overjoyed. And obviously, when the team that you spent ten years with, eleven years with, and you won two Stanley Cups there, mm-hmm. and they and you don't resign with them, and it, it was a question of length of term and whatnot. Uh, So I understand him not being happy. He discussed it with, based on what I've read, he did discuss it with New Jersey first. And they actually had originally placed him uh, on whatever it is for leaving for personal reasons. They kind of gave him time to get away, make his decision. He came back, told them that he wanted to retire. I honestly think that it had. To, I honestly think that it had a lot to do with the fact that Chicago. He was really hoping to stay in Chicago his whole career. Um, is it is it also possible that concussions two seasons in a row that left him on long term IR both times could have played into that as well?
0: I I think that he probably. I think that with all the extra time between seasons, he's probably come to an understanding that he's not in the same place that he was two or three seasons ago. Okay. Um, I think had this season actually started back in October, he'd be playing right now. He'd be 30 games, 40, 30, 35 games into the season. Uh, and he'd have an idea about what he wanted to do next year, but I don't know that he'd simply walk away. Um, I think the extra time to think, uh, maybe, maybe convinced him that the only person he has anything left to prove to is himself. And that's not necessarily a great reason to get your brain scrambled.
1: Fair enough. So um, one, one last question on that, then, because the words family did bring it up when they sent out their little uh, letter of congratulations. Um, they mentioned Hall of Fame worthy playing career. So my question is, is it Hall of Fame worthy? Now, he's won two Jennings trophies. He's got two Stanley Cups. He's never won a Vesna, as far as I know.
0: I don't think that he, I, as far as I know, he's never won a Vezna. Um, is it a hall of
1: fame career? His numbers, I mean, 260 career regular season wins. He's got a team record 52 postseason wins. Uh, I mean, 52 I want,
0: postseason wins is a lot, mm. especially in a 10 year career. Um, I mean, you can chalk what, uh, 30 of them, 30 plus of them up to two of those, to those two cup runs. um, uh, so yeah, two Jennings trophies, the two cup wins. Did he get, no, he did. He, did not,
1: he did not. I don't, I don't see a, uh, Avesna, yeah. no, I was going to say he did no, not, no, get no, a not a Vesna.
0: Uh, I was thinking of Conn Smythe, but no, I remember who got those. Um,
1: <laughs> how do you remember? <laughs> One of them wouldn't happen to be, uh, I don't know, some kid from Buffalo.
0: Uh, who rumors, again, are circulating that he might end up playing there uh, before his contract expires.
1: Wow. Didn't
0: see. So, I, I This is one of those forever rumors like Vinny LeCavalier being traded. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, the Vinny LeCavalier trade rumors started before he played his first game in Tampa Bay.
1: Uh so in 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 his in his career uh Cory Cropper 260 162 and 53 he has a career number of 2.45 goals against and a 918 save percentage career
0: I mean the 918 save percentage is very very solid um there are certainly a lot of goaltenders
1: worse um I just I'm I'm I don't know I think he's borderline I I, I
0: I think you can make a strong argument for him and, and I expect it to happen. Um, let me put it this way. If he weren't playing in a major market, I think the answer would be no. If he hadn't played and won in a major market, I think the answer would be no. Like, if he had won those two cups with similar numbers playing in Carolina or Nashville, the answer would be no. But Big city means more votes.
1: Um, is is, let's is see. Chicago a is Chicago a big enough city for more votes? Oh yeah, it's original six, which also brings in. I mean, also brings in attention. So, uh,
0: I mean, he did win a World Cup gold medal in twenty six uh, in the sixteen seventeen year. Um, played the pro- top prospect games, uh, in major junior, um, NHL all rookie team, which doesn't necessarily mean a great deal.
1: Was he um, in the, was he in that in the 13 playoffs against the Bruins? Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, did okay. have the most shutouts in the league in the 15, 16 season.
1: The 12, <sighs> the 12, 13, his first cup. 23 playoff games, 1.84 goals against average, and a 932 save percentage. Um, wow. He didn't. He never repeated that number, but, those numbers. But wow, his second cup was at 1415, 20 playoff games, 2.31, and a 924. So his two cups, his two cup winning years, he had really high playoff save percentages.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just. It won't I don't, surprise me if he gets in. It also won't necessarily surprise me if he doesn't, or if it takes a while. Like I, he's clearly not a first ballot Hall of Famer anywhere outside Chicago and possibly Montreal, where he was born. Um, but. Wow I, I I mean let's just for the giggles uh, he played his first game in the NHL in the oh 506 season mm-hmm so we're gonna look up goalie stats since the 0506 season
1: by and, the way does it help that it was part of the legendary draft
0: um that may actually work against him because Really. There's so many players in that draft who are going to get in. We already mentioned Corey Perry. We already mentioned Getzlaf, uh the guy who was recently named captain uh, of a certain original six team, um, and, like, 10 or 12 others. I mean, there could easily be 15 or 16 players from that draft who are Hall of Famers.
1: Marc-Andre Fleury. Yep. <laughs> um, that draft was... It, it, I don't think there's ever going to be a time where we don't refer to that draft for some reason or another.
0: I, I it's, re- <laughs> it's the golden draft. It, it really is. Uh, so let's when, see
1: when you can have Paula famous coming out of like second, third round. I mean, like
0: you, that draft regularly. is literally ridiculous. The more I look at that draft, the more I wonder, uh, the more odd I am by
1: it. I mean, one of the guys in that draft is actually the head coach of another guy from that draft or former because Jeremy Colleton was taken in the second round 58th overall. He was the head coach of Corey Crawford who was taken in the second round 52nd overall.
0: <laughs> okay. So if we take, if we take a look at, Pure save percentage, not uh, not even strength, regular, uh, even strength and whatever save percentage, pure save percentage uh, of guys who have played since uh, at least 250 games since uh, the 05 season, uh, the 05 06 season. Um, Corey Crawford is tied with. Well, there are six guys tied at 918. Okay. Um, they include Henrik Lundqvist, Robin Leonard, and Roberto Luongo. And at least Luongo will probably get in. Well, Luongo and
1: Lundqvist will get in. But if Luongo and if Luongo, if Luongo, Luongo and Lunquist get in, then Corey Crawford should definitely get in. Yes. He has but, more cups than both of them combined. But
0: the other guys are John Gibson and Corey Schneider. OK. And neither of those based on today is getting in.
1: So of the five, two are, or two could be, yes. two aren't, and then you have Corey Crawford. Yes. I think with him you got to lean towards the. If you're going to give it to Lunquist who put up, who's been ridiculous for so Ever. long for the Rangers, and uh, Roberto Luongo, who like him, don't like him because we're you know of where you may or may not live. I mean, the guy's record speaks for itself, but if you're going to give, if you're going to give those two the benefit of the doubt, I think you have to give it to Crawford as well.
0: Yeah. And now here's, here's where you get into the probably not because games played since that, since that start of the, Oh, what is it? Oh, five, Oh six season. Mm-hmm. Lundquist, number one, eight eighty seven, Marc Andre Fleury, number two, uh eight hundred and twenty-six, Roberto Luongo, uh number three, seven hundred seventy-eight, Ryan Miller, number four, seven
1: hundred sixty two. Another question, Ryan Miller.
0: Cam Ward, number five, seven hundred one.
1: <laughs> you've you've just mentioned the five government mules of the NHL. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, uh, I mean, you have I mean, and then Lundquist you have a couple of Lord, other names.
0: But guess, guess where Corey Crawford sits in that list as far as games played?
1: Twelfth, twentieth. Wow!
0: Only four hundred and eighty-eight games.
1: Okay. Um, it, 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 I mean, part of it is he did miss a lot of time these last couple of years with those two concussions.
0: And, and I mean, he played. 66 games more than Tim Thomas.
1: Um, How many games has he played? Uh, Total
0: 488. Yep. Wow. Now, as far as wins go, um, he's actually not in terrible shape there. But again, it's it's 260 wins. That's only 18th uh, total. And but I will say that there's only one. Uh, there's only one guy ahead of him who has, uh, who has been in the league as long with more wins in less games, and that's Braden Holtby. Okay. No, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, because Yaroslav Alok has played a couple more games and has essentially as many game or yeah is. About the same win percentage. Um, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with him, because I think that like Luongo and Lundqvist, you can make a serious case for him not getting in. Um, in most cases, you're gonna people are going to put Tim Thomas in that same boat uh, because Tim Thomas had a fairly short NHL run Um, but Tim Thomas was absolutely dominant in the time he was in the league Corey Crawford was really good in the time he was in the league and healthy if it came down to voting for one over the other I don't. I think that that I think that's going to be a split vote. I, I really do. But let's get on to our predictions now because we are halfway into our target time at this, or more than halfway into our target time at this point, and
1: okay, we
0: haven't started the biggest story of the day, theoretically.
1: <laughs>
0: theoretically, okay. So um, I will let. Do you want to start with your uh, North slash Canada predictions?
1: North slash Canada. Okay. <clears throat> I didn't. I didn't put these in any particular order, only Coward. because what? Coward. 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 Wow. Well, if it's the top four teams that are going to make it, does it matter whether they're anyway? Anyway. <laughs> all right. Starting with in the East Coast, I picked Toronto. Yep. Uh, I then moved out west and went with Vancouver. Interesting. You don't think they okay? No, I we'll did say we'll anything. get We'll get there. Keep talking. I stayed out west and went with. Calgary, I think, bringing in uh, Markstrom is going to give them, as I've said about him before, consistent goaltending. And then uh, some, somewhat of a dark horse. I, I went back east, Montreal. I think they're going to slip in. See,
0: I I had a really, really tough time with this division. Um, I,
1: did, I did, too. <laughs>
0: For me, the easy picks were Toronto, Calgary, and Edmonton.
1: Edmonton, wow, okay. I'm still not sold on their goaltending. So,
0: I'm not sold on their goaltending. I don't think their defense is all that hot. I still think that uh, if you give uh, McSavier and Drysaitel time and space, uh, they're going to eat you alive. And between the lack of defense in several other cities in this division, um, and the lack of physical defense that's fast enough to stop
1: them—that
0: mm-hmm. that's going to drag them in almost all by itself. Okay. And then I think it's I think it's a toss up um, between Montreal and Vancouver.
1: Oh, um, a coward now.
0: I really I mean, in general, I would lean towards Montreal because they have the more experienced and better and I think better coach. And that's absolutely no slide to Travis Green, um, who memory says actually played under Claude Julian. Um Uh huh. <laughs> but I- it's also going to come down to who's healthier. And you look at the Canadians roster Shea Weber has had health issues over the last four or five seasons, basically since he got to Montreal.
1: Ten games away from a thousand.
0: Um, not young anymore. Again, part of that no, he was a two thousand two wasn't. No, he was
1: wrong two thousand three draft.
0: So yeah, golden draft. Yeah. Um you've got <laughs> you've got Carey Price, who has had his health issues uh well 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 documented.
1: It reminds um, me seeing which Carey Price we get this season.
0: Yes, are we getting the Carey Prize, who is arguably the best goaltender on the planet, or are we getting the Gary Prize, who they talk about buying out every third sentence in Montreal?
1: <laughs> it's amazing to me how much Montreal loves their hockey team. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I'll go okay. with the West next. Okay. And again, this is the this is the division I actually had... The most trouble with, because I think after the top three, it almost doesn't matter. Um, yeah. So easy picks are Avalanche, Knights, and Blues. Yeah. And I think that the first two are definitely easier than the third. And I think mostly because if they're healthy, uh, they're also motivated. That the toss-up is either Minnesota or Arizona. Wow. I think Arizona gained good experience and some believability last year, uh, last summer. And I think that Billy Guerin um, has a clue. So tell me, tell me, tell me your picks for the West.
1: Well, the West... We seem to share a common uh, common ground on this one, uh, starting with the top, Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis. And because I didn't want to um, go round and round, I actually went with Arizona. I looked at Arizona. I looked at Minnesota. And I like Darcy Kemper better than Cam, than Cam Talbot. I can see that.
0: My issue is I don't know if the Arizona Coyotes forwards can remember how to score or carry the puck out of their own zone.
1: Fair enough. Which which may or may
0: not be linked.
1: They still have uh, OEL since he didn't get dealt. Uh, They still have Jacob Chikrin. I mean, granted, go ahead and try and name the rest of their defensemen. I think they still have Goligoski.
0: Yes, (laughs) And that's about it. And those are those are three very, those are three above average defensemen, whether, whatever you think of them, they are all above league average. Uh, I'm not putting any of them in the top 10 in the NHL a, a, as a defenseman, but if you're really putting 10. them in the 48, oh. no. And we can talk about the top my top 10 defensemen next week if you want to.
1: It, it, it would be an interesting discussion, but we're probably going to be talking about the first week of the season. <laughs> Maybe uh, it, they got I mean, Jason Demers is 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 a decent event. Again, none of these guys. You're right. I mean, they got Nicholas Schalmerson who's there, got the playoff experience, got the cup experience from when he was with Chicago. I, I just I like them better than Minnesota. So that's, I, I picked Arizona.
0: I, I don't blame you. I mean, I I. I like Arizona. I think that there's a lot that there's more right with the team than there is wrong. Um, but
1: I yeah, do wish that, I, I do wish that they somehow managed to make up with with, with John Chayka.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, think uh, that that, I
1: think that alone is going to hurt them a little bit.
0: And let's, why don't you jump on in and give us the central, uh, the central, the aptly named, uh Tampa to Dallas to
1: <laughs> yeah chicago, chicago central. central division which includes Florida they moved the state of Florida on me I completely missed it <laughs> yeah it,
0: it must be uh continental drift or something like that I, I don't know how that happened they they you completely... know what it is uh one of those hurricanes just pushed it west
1: oh okay yeah speaking of Tampa they are my top pick in the central. Um,
0: Even without Kucherov for the season,
1: I think that they can survive without Kucherov. Wow! They lose if they lose another. I mean, I'm sorry, they still have uh, that guy on defense. You know that Victor Hedman guy? Yeah, okay, Never only the heard best of defenseman him. in the league. Never heard of him. I know. Uh, you still got Sergachev. You still got. Uh, uh, wait uh, a minute!
0: Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I thought that the. Uh, best defenseman in the league was some guy named Charlie up here in
1: Boston. (laughs) You keep thinking that it's okay. We'll forgive you for that one.
0: That's Uh, what I'm told.
1: Are you reading that somewhere that I didn't read it?
0: (laughs) I just need to listen to people.
1: Okay. You're listening to the wrong people. (laughs) Victor Hedman, Sergeyev. uh, Why is it that I always get him confused with Ryan Johansson? But... uh, the, another defenseman. Anyway, uh, the as far as the offense goes, I'm not worried about. it. I mean, they got Anthony. Okay. If they lose somebody else, if they lose a Palat, if they lose, uh, if they lose Braden Point, it, definitely if they lose Braden Point. I just think that they've still got enough there that they can that they're going to do. Second team Dallas. Okay. I think I think bringing back uh, our friend Dobby was huge.
0: They've, uh, still yeah. for
1: the, they've still, for the most part, got the same team intact. Yes, they lost Corey Perry, but I, uh, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think that's huge.
0: No, especially sp- not if Tyler Sagan is healthy.
1: Yeah. Uh, my third pick is, and this is how much I believe in goaltending, my third pick and defense is Columbus. You've got arguably the second best or best defenseman in the league in Seth Jones. He's paired with yet another top-tier defenseman in uh, yeah, whatever his name is. Zach Wierenski. Wierenski, thank you. You've still got decent forwards. Yes, you lost Anderson to Montreal, but you just signed Pierre-Luc Dubois. So I think they're my third. And then my fourth because I really kind of struggled with this one as far as As far as who was going to be the fourth team, I mean, so I I, I went with my gut and I went with Nashville. You didn't. Well, it was them or Carolina, and I don't believe in Carolina's goaltending. But you believe in Nashville's? I believe in Nashville's defense. And I think think Carolina. I believe in
0: Nashville's defense of 10 years ago.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, but they do still have Roman Yossi. They do still have uh, Ryan Ellis. They do still have Matthias Ekholm. Uh, Yannick Weber is still there. A lot of it, a lot of that core defense is still together. No, they don't have P.K. Subban. No, they don't have Shea Weber. No, they never really had Seth Jones.
0: They don't have Ryan Suter.
1: but I still think that their defense is solid. Uh, If they do start say Saros over Pecorine, and I'm not sold on that one either, but at some point you're going to have to start trusting the kid. It comes down to do they have enough to still score goals? They still have Philip Forsberg. They still have... um,
0: So... In your mind, what's the ideal um, game split between the two goaltenders there this year?
1: What, between Saros and Rene? Yeah. I think Saros should be getting the bulk of the starts. Uh, Split it like a, I don't know, like a 36-20 or a 40-16 or... I, for think 46, me, I think forty-six. I think forty-sixteen might be too much. I think that, I think that, yeah, closer to like thirty-six twenty or thirty-four twenty-two, something like that.
0: For me, for teams that expect to make the playoffs and think that they have a viable one-two or one-A one-B, uh, or for may, more of a viable one-A one-and-two, I would mm-hmm. go like thirty-five and twenty-one as the split. Okay you're playing a playoff pace effectively for 14 weeks.
1: That's Agreed.
0: a long time. I'm
1: not Someone saying is, that's what I
0: said. 35, 36,
1: 20. Um, interesting,
0: interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, so what's your central look like? Uh, fairly similar, uh, Tampa, Dallas and Columbus. Um, Columbus is there because I think they still have the best coach in the division.
1: <laughs> yeah we don't want to we don't want to undersell that coach thing either so yeah
0: no in in a season like this when you only have seven or six opponents coaching is much much bigger uh a much much bigger percentage than it would be uh in an ordinary year
1: okay so we come down to your fourth team
0: fourth team uh is going to be carolina I think that they have a better mix of young, healthy talent uh, with a couple of veterans thrown in than, than the other teams who you might name.
1: I, I like Carolina. I like their, I mean, Sebastian Ajo, Svechnikov, they've got a decent lineup up front. I'm worried about the back end. Their defense is good. I think they've kind of decimated it over the last couple of years, it, 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 as has Nashville. Uh, but I like their defense of a few years ago when they had Falk and Pesci. And, and, and is Pesci even still there? Did he play? I mean, it, was he injured?
0: Um, Pesci, I don't even remember if he's in the league at all.
1: Brett Pesci? No, he's still with Carolina. There we go.
0: But Slaven. overall, like you have, you know, or like Carolina has at the top, you have Aho. You still have Jordan Stahl, who most of a decade or over a decade ago at this point, won a cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tivo Tarana, Taravainen, uh, you've the got fin- Vincent
1: the, the, Trocek. That's the finish. That's the finish. Patrick Kane there, Tivo Taravainen.
0: You mentioned Svechnikov. Uh, on the def- on defense, you've got Dougie Hamilton, who is been the uh, goals wise one of the most productive uh, defensemen in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Jake Gardner, who is gifted offensively as well. You uh, didn't, didn't
1: like him when he was with Toronto, though.
0: I don't think he's good defensively. <laughs> I think he's good offensively, and
1: that's all I'll I said. Go, I'll go with that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, Slavin is definitely probably the best
1: defensive defenseman in their top four. He's their number one. Yeah.
0: Um, Brady Shea is good, uh, on the lower end of your defense. Hayden Fleury is going to be a solid NHL defenseman. Um, their goaltending still leaves a good bit to be desired. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that, I think that with that mix of players, that you're – I think you're just going to be more competitive. You've got, so you've got guys who are playing for pride. You've got guys who are playing for reputation and for their next contract. Um, I mean, they have Zingle, Fogle, um, McGinn, Martinuk, uh, Svechnikov, and Drew Shore at forward. That's half of their roster playing for a contract. Um, a lot of guys have really good years and contract years. You throw Hamilton and uh, Joachim Ryan in on the back end, uh, plus their um, well, their goaltending uh, tandem. Um, <laughs>
1: in, in, in as much as can be said for that, yeah. Honestly, I think it's six to five in them between Nashville and Carolina. I, I I went with Nashville because I believe in their back end uh, and the back end includes goaltending. I love Carolina's defense. I've said it for the last few years. Like I said, I think they've decimated it a little bit, but so is Nashville. I just I believe in the goaltenders for Nashville more than I do for Carolina. Uh,
0: that's entirely fair. The big thing for me is I don't particularly like the forwards in uh, in. In general, in Nashville. Or at least don't like them there. Uh, Ryan Johansson, like, the best thing that could happen for him is to be traded elsewhere. His numbers have just evaporated offensively.
1: Excuse me.
0: Uh, Matt Duchesne, when he's on, he's on. When he's not, meh. Philip Forsberg, uh, he's been more consistent the last two seasons. But overall... But before He's a half-season guy.
1: Yes, before that, I used to draft him. Speaking of fantasy, I used to draft him at the beginning, knowing I wasn't going to get anything out of him until January. <laughs> um, and then
0: after those three, what do you have? Uh, I mean, is Rocco Grimaldi going to be your leading goal scorer this year? Probably. I mean, if he is, you're looking at a great lottery pick. Um Uh, hundred and fifty six um, NHL games and 20 goals. Yeah. Like Eric Kala, I guess. But, you know, he's a third he's a third line guy. Brad Richardson is hockey old at this point. And yes. that's that. Pecorino is not the man he used to be. And you see Saros. Like him, love him, whatever you think of him. He's never proven he could be a number one goaltender for the length of a season. And I mean, Rene had an 895 save percentage an 895 I know. in 36 games last year. Um, yeah, UC Saros was definitely better. Uh, with a nine fourteen uh, over forty, but if they look at him, if they looked at him two weeks ago when training camps opened up, and said, "Yep, you're going to be our number one this year,"
1: I think with the coaching change, because uh, LaViolette was staying with Rene, even though Rene was struggling, even though he would put in sorrow sparingly. I think with Heinz behind the bench, I think Heinz is going to go with Saros more. He te- he did last season when he was brought in. He started going more to Saros than Pecorine.
0: Which, so, which I'm okay with. But is he actually going to perform knowing that the burden is his?
1: Um, I, I think knowing that he's going to get and in this season, it's tough to say the bulk of the starts, but I think when you know in your head that you're the number one, you know what your position is, whether it's as the number one or as the number two or what. I think the worst thing you can do to a goaltender is leave them both up in the air as to which one's going to play every night of the week. And I got that feeling in the last season, season and a half between Rene and Saros, I think it was up in the air as to who was going to be the, the the starter. And I think that once he's given the starting job, for lack of a better term, once he's earned the starting job, I think that he's going to settle down. And then, yes, it also comes down to the defense in front of him and everything else. But I think the confusion is what throws them off. So. I
0: mean, I can, I can certainly go along with that. I mean, we've seen it in players just being, are they going to play wing or are they going to play center? <laughs> um, or players who think that they're
1: centers. I think that, wingers, I think that winger center is a little bit less daunting than whether you're going to start in net or not.
0: <laughs> um, and now we come to the east. Go for it. Uh, I think that Washington and Philly are going to be in.
1: Interesting, okay. Uh,
0: I picked the Islanders again on Strengths of Coaching. And then I had to struggle between Pittsburgh and Boston. Okay. I mean, Boston, we've talked about it for the last... Three months. Their defense is iffy. Um, They still haven't corrected their glaring needs at right
1: wing. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but they haven't done that for a long time. That's not like it's a new problem. Nope, but it's like a
0: 10 year certainty at this point. Uh, I mean, the last really good right wing that they brought in was Nathan Horton.
1: okay that would be like 2011 <laughs> yes yes you're paying attention we're now we're now tying cup wins to the right wing position okay <laughs> actually he um, was still around I believe he was I believe he was still around for the second cup run as well was he not? Oh, did they Um, get rid of him before 13?
0: He was out injured. I don't know if he was... I think he might have still been on the roster, but I don't know that he actually played for a good two seasons. Um, And if he did play, he was a shell of himself. Um, Because him and and Lucic together were just gorgeous.
1: Well, yes, enjoyable to watch. And... and scary for other teams and
0: <laughs> um the 12 thirteen season he played 43 games and then the 13 14 season the abbreviated one he was in Columbus uh where he played 35 of the 48 um, so he was and that was his the, last
1: so he was still with the Bruins for the second cup run as well
0: no the second cup run was third no you're right 12-13.
1: Was twelve thirteen?
0: We yeah, lost correct. to Chicago.
1: Uh,
0: that's right. Uh, he had he had solid numbers. He had well, he had better numbers in the postseason than the regular season, which was somewhat surprising. I mean, he had nineteen points in twenty two games in the postseason yeah. after just twenty two points in forty three games in the regular season. Because he had back issues, he had neck issues. Yeah, he was he was issues. definitely
1: he was definitely. On, uh, and I say it, unfortunately, he was definitely on the downward side of whatever was left of his career.
0: And guess which draft he was?
1: Oh, I know. I know. Um, it's, it's and then for Pittsburgh,
0: for Pittsburgh, there's the yep. perennial question of who's going to play with Crosby? And then the recent question over the last three years of how healthy is Evgeny Malkin? Hmm. and a question that nobody has an answer for um, and I don't think there is a good answer or mm-hmm. certainly not one that fans in the Berg are going to like how healthy is their goaltending
1: <laughs> you completely skipped over the whole middle of the ice
0: <sighs> and that's because there's nothing there to talk about thank you
1: well, they did um, just sign John Marino. So.
0: And that's probably <laughs> one of the three or four best improvements to the defense. In They,
1: they acquired Cody Cece. They still have Brian Dumoulin, which he's probably their number one defenseman. Thank you very much. In wait, fact, wait, I'm- wait. You're
0: sure no. it's not that guy who's been there forever?
1: No. No, 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 no. It's not him. I think Dumoulin's their number one defenseman. Uh, but I but mean, yeah. In, if you can, if you can name me the rest of them without looking it up, uh, more power. No, I can't. I, I had to look it up. I <laughs> I think some of their
0: assistant coaches might have trouble naming the rest of their defense. <laughs> All right.
1: So but, ultimately,
0: and then there, then there's the question of goaltending. Yeah. Um, uh, Tristan Jarry and Casey DeSmith. How much NHL experience does Casey DeSmith have? Not, not very much. How much good play does, Chris, does Tristan Jari have in the NHL? Uh, for Tristan Jari, um, he's gotten into a whopping 62 NHL games. Um, sure, he looked great last year, 33 games, a 921 save percentage, and then one pretend-off game.
1: And yet uh, somehow, and yet somehow, games. never get to play anything. Never got to play after that. How do you bring? How do you bring him in? He has the game he has, and you don't play him again. Okay, good decisions there, Coach.
0: And you see, the Smith, who is of course of uh, Rochester, New Hampshire,
1: mm-hmm,
0: A whopping fifty NHL games, and. I mean, he turned in the nine sixteen save percentage in thirty six games in the eighteen nineteen season, and you'll note that that is well over a year ago since his last NHL action. So for me, it came down to of the I don't think the back end on either Boston or Pittsburgh is great.
1: Yeah, but you get in the that goaltending blue paint. in Boston is better. There you go. You get in that blue paint area. You tell me.
0: The the goaltending is better, so Boston is my fourth pick for the uh, for the Eastern Division.
1: All right, uh, I went with I guess I went in alphabetic order. I wasn't really going in any particular order, but sure you uh,
0: weren't.
1: Well, I don't I don't I don't think that Boston's going to be number one in the East, so I didn't go in order of who I think is going to finish top. But I did pick Boston. And again, it came down to, for me, it came down to goaltending in that aspect. Because, yeah, I I actually struggled with Pittsburgh. And and I actually struggled with Pittsburgh, Philly, Boston, the three of them together. So I went with Boston, uh, Washington Capitals, New York Islanders. Because I just... uh, the consistency there, Barry trots behind the bench. I mean, you can't argue with it. The guy is top notch. And then I kind of went outside the lines here because I think that in a sprint like this, I think that hunger is going to come into play. I picked the Rangers to sneak in.
0: I don't hate
1: that pick. I don't know that I will
0: that I agree with it.
1: But they are a very young team. I like Shisterkin. I'm not as sold on Georgiev, so as long as it's Igor that's the starter and Georgiev is his backup, I think Georgiev's good in in those short situations, you know, type of thing. But I don't think he's I don't think he should be the number one. I'm I I think it should be Igor. Uh they've got decent defense. You got Adam Fox, you've got Tony D'Angelo. It is a young defense.
0: It's a young everything in the, in, in the Rangers.
1: But they do still have Jacob Truba there to guide the way. They brought in Jack Johnson to solidify things a little bit. He's not an offensive defensive by any stretch. But you can you can get D'Angelo. You can get Fox. They've got Ryan Lindgren, who they stole from the Bruins.
0: And theft is, yeah, probably the best way to describe it because <laughs> – we got playoff Rick Nash for like ten games.
1: I mean, up front, you still got the and Panarin.
0: Uh, you have Capo, Caco. You have Capo, Caco. Lafreniere.
1: Lafreniere is the you know the the probably the the preseason rookie of the year. Unless you're going to, get uh, they've got decent forward. I'm not saying that they're going to. Win the division, but I think they sneak into a playoff spot. And oh, by the way, they got the guy that I wanted a couple, three years ago, and Julian Gauthier. Julian Gauthier, and you know six what? Foot, they also six foot four, two hundred twenty pound. Oh, right wing. But yeah, hasn't cracked the NHL either. So don't go getting all excited about it. I don't even know if he makes it. He might make it on this team, but
0: <laughs> he and uh, the other guy that. The other guy that is worth watching is a guy who finished last regular season really, really strong and had uh, – I believe he finished the year with the most goals in the NHL, Mika Zibanejad. We I, – I have loved this guy since the first time I saw footage of him. I know. Uh, and it's a shame he hasn't been healthier in his career. But, wow, if they can keep a hold – if they can keep him healthy – um, which I think this grind uh, is going to be make more questionable than usual, um, particularly given how physical some of their opponents can be.
1: <sighs> I think this uh, might actually help Kreider shine if they're worried about physical.
0: Uh, see, for me, it, for with Kreider, if he um, leaves training camp and enters the regular season. Mm-hmm. In a productive rhythm, I think this could be points per game wise, the best season of his career, because with those regular routes, with that routine of three plus games a week for 14 straight weeks, I don't think there's ever a lull where he says, oh, okay, I can I have three days off and he doesn't ramp back up.
1: Yeah, I, I, he gets into a, he, he kind of gets into a, like a cruising mode, uh, like he sets crews and just kind of, I mean, he is a he physical works. guy, he, he is a physical guy, and I like his physic. I like his physicality, I don't want him on the Bruins, as it has been rumored on this show, by, well, certain other hosts. Really, I, who? I I do not want Chris Kreider on the Bruins. Uh huh. But can you? I mean, 523 games, you get 316 points. And the thing is, he's not like a goal scorer or a distributor. He's even. I mean, literally 157 goals, 159 assists. <laughs> yeah, Andy's a he's, plus.
0: Andy's a plus 68. Yeah. Um. I.
1: And he's almost, he's just about half point per game player in the playoffs, 80 playoff games, 39 points.
0: And and the scary thing is, is if this team makes it healthy to the playoffs, they're young enough. There's not real, they're not going to get beaten in the first round. They will beat the bag out of whoever they face in the first round, simply based on pure excitement. I mean, our Terry Panarin has played in the playoffs before. Um, Kreider was, I believe, with them when they made that cup run a couple of years ago and fell short in the finals. Um, This may be the best dark horse in in the league this year.
1: Thank you for your vote of confidence.
0: That said, I'm still not sure I would pick them
1: as a playoff team. I did. I think they sneak in. but I mean, yeah, there's a lot of teams to jump. You're talking about Pittsburgh. You're talking about Philly. Pittsburgh has playoff experience. Even with the lineup as currently constituted, they have a lot of playoff experience. Uh, Philly, I think, is going to – I really think it's going to come down to that Boston, Philly, Pittsburgh, and they're fighting for one playoff spot.
0: Yeah. Um, closer to home, we were talking before the show about some of the, about some of the training camp, uh, drama, uh, in the media. And I, I thought that some of the, the way some of it was written was somewhat hilarious and absolutely terrifying, uh, uh, from a depth perspective, uh, the hockey writers, uh, I wasn't and sure the person of Alex Rudolph or Alec Rudolph. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, they're talking about young players who are pushing uh, and exceeding expectations at training
1: camp <clears throat> for the Boston Bruins,
0: for the Boston Bruins. Um, Jack is where they start. Um, should get more involved. He They're talking about how he has played <clears throat> on the top pairing with Bergeron and Marchand, uh, given the uh, expected absence uh, of Pasternak for a couple of weeks, at least. <clears throat> I'm okay with that. Not necessarily who I would put there, but I'm okay with that. Um, it gives the best anchor into reality of, uh, and into NHL reality that you're going to get on the team to a young player. And most of the other youngsters have played there. And if there's two guys on your roster who played together, who can evaluate how well a young line mate is doing, it's those two. I mean, they're the model of consistency for the last seven, eight years in the NHL. Then you t- then you go to the blue line and you talk about Jeremy Lozon. Um, I like Lozon. Uh, we talked We spent a good amount of time talking about him. In fact, I think we spent a couple of ge- a couple of shows <clears throat> where we talked about him more than he got ice time in the most recent game.
1: He seems to be. He, he seemed to be at one point the most NHL. I mean, like, I still don't know about Zaboro. I still. Don't, but well, Lozon we'll get to in-, in a minute. Lozong, with the time that he spent with the Bruins, look, looked like an NHL defenseman. He, yes. He, he looked like he knew what he was doing. It wasn't too big. The situation wasn't too big for him. It wasn't
0: too fast for him. Right. Uh, which is usually the case. Um, but the hockey writers uh, have written it as Jeremy Lozon on the top pairing with Charlie McAvoy. Excuse me? <sighs> um. I, as much as I love Jeremy Lozon, I don't think you should be calling it a top pairing if one player has, unless you're talking about a legit Hall of Famer on yeah. one side. I don't yeah, think you should be calling it a a top pairing if one guy has less than a full season of NHL ice time.
1: Yeah, that Hall of Famer is not walking through the door unless it's with the visitor, Unless it's to the visitor's locker room, though. No.
0: Yep. Um, and so while I will be happy to see this and I think that Lozon, who is definitely strong in his own zone, would allow McAvoy and speedier than McAvoy, uh, speedier than most, um, will allow McAvoy to lean into the offense, which they're going to need. Um, you get down a little bit further and. You get to Erho Vakonainen, who has had, unfortunately, uh, some serious injury issues in his uh, since being drafted in 2017. And you get to the most <laughs> amazing damning with faint praise I have heard <coughs> in a mighty long time. Uh, to quote the article... Um, in the section on Vacaninen, but the pure mm-hmm. defenseman is beginning to turn some heads at camp.
1: Okay.
0: He has been competing with 2015 first round rounder Jacob Zaboro to start on the third line alongside Kevin Miller. Kevin Miller hasn't played NHL hockey in two years.
1: That's true. He hasn't
0: had a healthy season in I don't know how long. <clears throat> And Jakob Zaboral is one of the terrible, terrible picks <coughs> that Don Sweeney made with those three picks in a where row. He should have traded at least one of them for an NHL ready player in 2015 when he had three in a row.
1: He couldn't trade them. He acquired two of them, he only had one. He acquired the other two. He <laughs> One was part of the one was, I believe, part of the Lucic deal. Uh, he still made three draft San Jose of deal. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, I, th- I think the best thing to come out of those deals was Sean Karali.
0: He's played the more. He's played more ice time than anyone else <laughs> connected to that deal. He scored win- game winning playoff uh, playoff winning games, but. To say that a 2017 draft pick is competing with a guy at the very nearly the end of his career who hasn't played in two years.
1: <clears> no, he's no, he's not competing with Zaborle Kevin Miller. He's competing with Zaboro to play with Kevin Miller on a third pairing. On a third <clears throat> pairing. Has anybody mentioned John Moore's name in a while? <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, no. <laughs>
0: uh, John Moore should. He's be, on the second pairing. John Moore should be on the second pairing in Providence. <laughs> I mean, at this point, the second pairing is sounding a lot like it's going to be McAvoy I'm um, sorry, Carlo and Grizzlik.
1: That should be your top pairing, by the way.
0: <laughs> it, it should be. Grizzlik is a five-tool guy <coughs> who is <coughs> the most subtle defenseman I've seen in the NHL in a long time.
1: Your top pairing has to be Carlo and Grizzly. I, I, I don't want to entertain discussion where McAvoy with anybody is a top pairing, except Chara. <laughs> if you
0: really want to play McAvoy and Grizzly together, I'll call that a top pairing.
1: Okay. I uh, will like and, and, and the thing is, they do have familiarity. Yes, they played together at BU, I, it, and they were good I together. I don't
0: think that as an NHL pairing, they're that great. They're very familiar, but they're not that great.
1: No, I don't. I think it works better with them in at the college level. I think at the pro level, I think
0: McAvoy uh, thinks he's faster than he is, and that's that slows them down at the NHL level. Yes. Um, but if you're going to have a top pairing, and I got the words out um, of Lozon and McAvoy. Yes. And a bottom pairing of Vakonainen and Miller. Uh Uh-huh. Isn't it time to push the big red button? On
1: Zaboral? No, on the the roster. Oh, we're talking about nuking the roster, okay. Just push that big red button and get it done. Is there anybody that you're hanging on to? At this point... No. Wow. No. The new I, captain look, is on look, the, is on the block. and new. Captain.
0: I love Bergeron. I, I was one did. of That's the first players. I, I was one of the first people in this town to talk about him over every other young guy who came in that year. I don't get me wrong. I was the biggest fan of a certain number forty five in town. His entire tenure. Mark Stewart. But Patrice Bergeron was the second NHL jersey that I bought. Um, But the rest of the roster? <coughs> no. <coughs> if Bergeron really no. is... If Bergeron is really committed to staying here and doesn't want to go chase down another cup, mm-hmm. <coughs> and at this point the offers for him... Still may 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 still make him your most valuable player. I mean, you can probably get about as much for McAvoy and and uh, Pasternak, and probably uh, and if they believe that he's going to actually attend the entire playoffs to Karask. but. Yeah, he would still be in your top four or five, as far as moving him out, because the rest of this roster, no, <laughs> no, okay,
1: John Moore, no, <laughs> John Moore, we have to lead with John John Moore, no, <laughs>
0: Dick Richie, very no, weird Craig is, Smith, don't care,
1: Weirdest does Jake Cross I like what? Where does Clippy Hockey fit into that defense? By the way,
0: see for me, I think that unfortunately he's going to get pushed out oh, uh, to the taxi squad um, Why? because they're going to give Miller they're going to give Miller the opportunity to play what's what's almost certainly his last
1: contract. It's just so not right. <sighs> Clippy Hockey has to play, and if you disagree with me, then. Either you were full of crap before, or you're full of crap now, because Clippy Hockey has to play. I I, I, I
0: I would play. I would rather have him playing than some of the other guys. Like for me, if I would rather play Miller on his offside with Clifton on the third pairing and go forward with that than to even contemplate a certain. 2015 pick making the roster
1: (laughs) which yeah I'm not going to disagree with that I just I uh, yeah Yeah. because
0: I Clifton played Clifton did everything you wanted him to do in the playoffs two years in a row
1: everything He's he's done everything asked of him yes um, and, oh, by the way, was, playoff performer. He was physical.
0: He was he scored goals. Um, he didn't as, take stupid penalties.
1: As I said before, he's played half the number of games in the playoffs that he has in the regular season.
0: And has more than and, twice as
1: many points and has one less point. He has 50 regular season games. I'm sorry, twice as many. You're right. I'm looking at plus minus. So he has 50 games in the NHL, three in the regular season with three points, 26 games in the playoffs with eight points. Playoff performer much?
0: Yeah, uh, I'm as I said, I would rather have the pairings shake out as Grizzly Carlo, number one, Lozon McAvoy, number two. And then. Yes, Kevin Miller on his offside to start the season, uh, and Clifton as your third pairing. If you're going to carry a seventh defenseman, um, <clears throat> make your pick between Lozon. on, uh, make your pick between Vakanainen and whoever.
1: I was going to say, unfortunately, you have to throw Lozon in there because they gave him, unless you're willing to, Lose him for nothing because if you place him, he's got he's on a one way contract. So if you no 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 McAvoy
0: on as your second pairing.
1: No, yeah, but Zaborro. you have to include Zaborro. He's no, on a one way contract. I don't care. Oh, okay. That's what I was getting at. If you don't care about losing him, then
0: if you can trade him going out of camp, fine. There if you can go. Can put him into if you can put him onto the taxi squad, fine. But he is not better.
1: No, I, I'm not. No, yes, no, I'm not he's, saying he's better. I'm just saying because of not, his contract uh, status, you have to I, include him.
0: Not only do I not think he's better than the guys who played on the roster last year. Uh, convince me from what you've seen in the last couple of development camps and training camps that he's better than Nick Wolf.
1: Go ahead. I'll wait. No, i can't. I'm not disagreeing with you here okay't can, I'm saying me that is, he's
0: better than Steve camper
1: i can't I don't like Zaboro. I haven't <laughs> liked zaboro. I'm not going to try to defend him. I didn't think they should have drafted him. I haven't seen anything from his game that I can point to and say that's why he should be on the team
0: and I don't think anyone well. <clears throat> aside from the people with... Uh, I just don't get it. I flat out don't get that pick, <clears throat> which is true of a number of picks in that in their system. And for those of you who didn't see it, NHL Network did a prospect depth chart, uh, top 15 in the league. Um, guess where the Boston Bruins were not?
1: They actually covered all... Uh, Well, I saw the remainder of the list. They skimmed, yes. Boston Boston is like 24th or 22nd. 24th out
0: of 31 teams. An original six franchise that is basement dwelling because of several years of less than stellar management.
1: And here you say you're not a nice guy. But yet you said less than stellar.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, less than stellar, slightly above sewage, you know.
1: Ouch. The, uh, to tie this up a little, bow, this whole article and, and young Bruins are exceeding expectations. When I clicked on it, I was expecting to see, you know, like surprise names. But yeah, they went like back Erkland, to the same Thor- three that they they went back to the same three that always seemed to be getting bandied about. And I was just, it It was kind of a, the article wasn't a letdown, but it was the names that they used that were kind of a letdown. I was like, okay, Studniko, yeah. we've already seen play. and we've seen play.
0: If they were talking about Robert Lantusi or Lantosi or whatever his name is, or Oscar Steen, or, um, sure. Or, heck, Zach Sanisham as exceeding expectations because that last one there is another pick they shouldn't have made.
1: Um, it was the third third of the three and 15. Yeah.
0: Um, then. Okay. Great. I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard. Heck talking about Matt Philippe as exceeding expectations would also be kind of awesome. Matt Philippe being from Linfield, Massachusetts.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of local product out there. Uh, Oh, there's...
0: They're swimming in locals. Uh, Matt Philippe has actually already started his season uh, in the ECHL, where he's got two points in three games.
1: I... Don't quite know how to comment on that, having seen an ECHL game. <laughs> does, that, does, does that mean that he's good at avoiding the physicality, or is he really that much better offensively than everybody else in that?
0: <laughs> we'll have to go see a game or two to uh, to tell.
1: Oh yes, I want to see uh. that guy sitting behind us again with the uh, with the referee hung in effigy
0: that was that was definitely a highlight of our of our visit to, uh, oh God, what is the arena name uh, DCU uh, center out in uh, Worcester. Wait,
1: the fans chanting for blood didn't get you all excited.
0: <laughs> I mean, let them fight is a common uh, <laughs> chant at at hockey games, but actually going through the effort to create an an effigy of the officials, that's that's some next level stuff. Uh-huh.
1: That it is.
0: It was So It was an experience. <laughs> it was an experience and one that I will actually legitimately treasure.
1: <laughs> Anything else it, we need to cover this week? No, we got our, we got our, we got our picks in for the playoff teams. We covered, we finally caught up to date with signings. I think we're good.
0: Okay. We got then. three
1: day, We got three days till the start of the season, four days till the Bruins first game.
0: In that case, ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you for listening. Please share the show with your friends. Um, tell us if there's something you want us to cover, uh, You can find me at uh, Puck Sage, Chris.
1: You can find me at The Off Wing.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, have a great week. Hockey is back. Hockey is back. Hockey is back.